Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, everyone's worried about rising inflation. In fact, it is clearly the most important issue for voters right now across the spectrum. Uh, Democrats seem to be grappling and in a little bit of denial when it comes to this. Some are using the record high costs as an opportunity to point fingers or place blame. Some are shrugging shoulders saying, not our fault, not my fault. Uh, the question is, are they attacking this in the right way? Could their either denial or deflection could it actually damage their chances in the upcoming midterm election? Uh, I spoke with Catherine Rample from the Washington Post, who had a great piece on this and a lot of good advice if you're a, a Democrat to listen to, because I asked her to, to break it down. What Democrats are saying about inflation and then what's working and what's not working in connecting with the American people. To be fair, first of all, there, there's relatively little that policymakers can actually do to reduce inflation, particularly for things like high gas prices, right? Right. Uh, the president doesn't control gas prices. They're set pretty much by global oil markets. Obviously, the sanctions um, that we recently announced, that Biden recently announced on Russia, will raise prices higher, but there's not a whole lot that can be done, particularly in the near term, to get prices lower. So I just want to be fair. Yes. Uh, but that said, people are unhappy about inflation, right? Um, they are uh, feeling the pain not only at the pump, but at the grocery store, um, at pretty much everywhere they shop, and for almost everything that they shop for. And it's been a bit frustrating um, to hear a lot of commentators on the left kind of batting away the concerns that consumers are expressing about the cost of living going up. And I'm talking about a lot of the commentary that suggests people are only freaked out about inflation because the media covers it. And, I, you know, I, there has been a lot of media coverage of inflation. I would argue that's mostly because people care about it. It's not that people care about it because they're hearing about it. <laughs> right. um, they would notice prices going up at the pump no matter what. So that's sort of one set of responses that you see on the left. And then another that I think is problematic is acknowledging, yes, inflation is happening and it's painful, but it's the fault of greedy corporations. And if only we jawbone them and maybe punish them in some way, um, they will become more altruistic and lower prices. And I just think that that whole set of rhetoric is somewhere between unhelpful and, and nonsense. 
you know, prices are up because demand is really, really strong and supply has not been able to adjust uh, to meet that high demand. It's, it's not because companies suddenly remember that they're supposed to make money, that they suddenly <laughs> became greedy. They're always greedy. That's, that's right. And I think those are such important points, Catherine. We're, we're equal opportunity offenders on this show. So we will, <laughs> we, we go, we go on everybody in terms of uh, where the responsibility is and where it isn't. And, and I'm glad that you point that out that there are a lot of these things that really aren't uh, any under anybody's control specifically in terms, especially in terms of the politics of it. Uh, but the connection to it uh, is the thing. It's the, it's the idea. I think where the, the president missed, uh, I think he had some great opportunities in the last few weeks and called the American people to a few things and then kind of lost all of that by wagging his finger at the, at the oil companies, you know, saying, we'll co- we're coming after you. <laughs> it, it's your fault that gas prices are higher. Uh, and so I think the, uh, the thing I'd love to get your perspective on again, from the democratic messaging standpoint, uh, it just seems to be that their biggest struggle is that there is this disconnect between what they're saying and what the American people are actually feeling. I think the White House has been trying to walk this fine line between celebrating the great economic progress that has been made on the one hand. I'm talking about primarily the job market, right? Yes. We've, we've had tremendous job growth in the past year, and he should celebrate that. And then also acknowledging the downside um, that we've seen in the past year, i.e. on prices. And it's a, to be fair, again, it's a, it's a tricky balancing act because um, you don't want to, you want to, you know, tout the wins if you're the president or his allies without sounding tone deaf. Um, about about the losses and that's really really challenging i mean i think that the way that they should be framing these issues is essentially to say something like look we're running the economy really hot that's partly because of policy choices we made right you know there was this fiscal stimulus last year um almost passed almost exactly a year ago that was on top of several previous rounds of fiscal relief related to COVID passed under the Trump administration. And we did those things because we thought it was important to do, you know, that the the risk of doing too little was greater than the risk of doing too much. Mm. We maybe did a little too much, but we got some, you know, we got some really good results on the one hand and those are in the job market and we have some bad results too, but it's better than the alternative scenario we could have faced. Now that's a hard thing to message. I get it. Um, you know, saying asking voters to look at the counterfactual sounds like this uh, <laughs> abstract <laughs> academic exercise and, and may not be very satisfying. But I think that they should take ownership um, of the choices that they made and, and point to where alternatively the country could be right now. The economy could be right now if you look at some other um, counterparts in Europe, for example, where they also have inflation, not as bad as it is here, but they have more stagnant growth. They've had. Uh, less hiring, that sort of thing. Talk about what what their strategy was, mm-hmm. and and you know what its virtues and vices may be, but why they still think it was the right route to pursue. Yeah, I, I think that takes some courageous vulnerability, uh, and I actually think, and I actually think President Biden can deliver that message. I think he he has he has that natural vulnerability that he he shows from time to time, uh, and I actually think this is one of those if they leaned into it as as you were describing it, Catherine. I think that actually would be effective for the president, for the administration, and and for probably for Democrats up and down the ballot. Well, he occasionally has, as I've said. 
um, he occasionally has, but then you have other voices within his party who are kind of refusing to acknowledge that there were any trade-offs right. that Congress faced, Congress and the president faced last year in making this decision to, you know, inject a lot of stimulus into the economy. They basically say, no, we have no effect on prices. You know, we, we, we did nothing to affect prices. And as I said, I, I think the fact that there was all this stimulus contributed to inflation. They want to pretend that there were no trade-offs. And the only reason prices are high um, has to do with uh, supply chain issues on the one side and then corporate greed um, on the other. And um, Biden has to some extent, you know, resisted that set of rhetoric, even though it pulls really well. But then occasionally you hear him say things like, you oil companies better not profiteer. You better not price gouge. You know, you better not pad your profits, which, again, are terms that, sound nice they sound really damning i guess yeah. but they, they pull well <laughs> they pull uh, but well. they don't really have any substantive meaning you know yeah. profiteering is a is a really damning term but it it doesn't really mean anything other than i think you're making too much money right right <laughs> uh, and the, the thing that i the thing that i'm really worried about is that this is not just about rhetoric in which case you know if they're cynically blaming corporate greed and they don't really believe it they know it's supply and demand blah 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 you know, it's annoying to me, but whatever. It doesn't have doesn't have much real world effect if they actually believe their own rhetoric mm. and they make policy choices that are guided by it. That's more troubling in the sense that they could make a bunch of choices that backfire. So, an example of that might be if you think that the reason oil prices are are high, gas and gas gasoline prices are high, has to do with profiteering companies. You know, pursuing too high profits, whatever that means. Then maybe. This proposal that has been um, suggested by a number of Democrats for a windfall profits tax sounds like a good idea, um, except that we've done that before. We need, meaning the U.S., and specifically the U.S. government, there was a windfall profits tax um, that was put in place uh, in the 80s. It actually reduced supply. Um, and the problem right now, again, is that supply is too low relative to demand. So this, if you follow... The logic of the rhetoric, it sounds like that's the solution when, in fact, it would backfire and make the problem worse. Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard, even when you have the right diagnosis when it comes to the economy, it's really hard to come up with the right prescription. Yeah. But if you get the, even the diagnosis wrong, <laughs> the chances of getting the prescription, the right remedy in place are basically nil. Yeah. And so that's what I'm concerned about, that there's been this desire to come up with a different diagnosis that deflects all blame from Democrats, that that will lead Democrats down a path of making a bunch of choices that um, unintentionally make all the problems worse. Yeah. Getting that diagnosis right and being willing to face the diagnosis uh, is the first step to getting towards a good policy. Uh, fantastic analysis and insight, as always. Uh, Catherine Rample from The Washington Post, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Catherine really had some crucial components to that. We're going to stay with this conversation a little bit longer because I think it's so important. Just just in the last couple of minutes, we've seen uh, we've seen Mitch McConnell come out and state unequivocally that uh, inflation is not 
on Vladimir Putin, that higher gas and oil prices are not on Vladimir Putin. They're on the administration. Uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg just came out and said the administration can't do anything about the gas and oil prices. Uh, And so the war of words and the war of rhetoric continue uh, to ramp up. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to stay with this conversation, especially as it relates to inflation. What's the rhetoric and are we getting the right diagnosis? And are we willing to follow a real treatment plan when it comes to inflation and the economy. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 